Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to episode number nine of Whipcast. I just got back from Indianapolis, Indiana a little while ago, and I spent the weekend with two great friends of mine who are also great whipmakers, Blake Bruning and Steve Townsend. The three of us met up over at Blake Bruning's house, Trinity Whip Company headquarters as it were, and we just had a great weekend. Worked on some whips, we cracked some whips, we socialized, and just had an overall great time. It's not often that I get to spend quality time with with fellow whipmakers, let alone genuine, uh, friendly, down-to-earth people uh, such as themselves. During the visit, I thought it'd be fun to do a podcast. And in this episode, you'll hear an interview with Steve Townsend of Townsend Handcrafted Whips. This guy is quite a craftsman. I got to tell you how I met Steve. Uh, A couple years ago, I went to one of Blake Bruning's whip meets at Southeast Way Park in Indianapolis, and Blake introduced Steve and I, and we were trying out each other's work. We were throwing a, a couple of whips, his most recent and, and my most recent whip. And there was one whip in particular that I remember Steve uh, showing me, and I was cracking it a few times. Just a beautiful whip. I believe it was a six-foot, uh, perhaps a 12 or a 16-plat kangaroo hide whip. And... Um, I, I asked Steve, what number is this, Steve? How many whips have you made? And he turned and he said something that I wasn't prepared to hear. He said, this is number 13. And I, I looked, I was 13. Are you kidding me? 13, number 13 does not reflect the craftsmanship that I see in front of me, my friend. And I was expecting perhaps number 200, maybe 300. And no, this was number 13. To see a whip that beautifully made, and find out that it was only the Whipmaker's 13th Whip was very humbling, to say the least. Steve's an all-around great guy. He's a great Whipmaker. And if you guys are interested in ordering a custom-made kangaroo hide whip, I would suggest that you check out his website, townsendhandcraftedwhips.com. So without further ado, I'm going to curtail my rambling and let you guys listen to the interview with Steve. Welcome to Whipcast. sitting alongside my good friend Steve Townsend of Townsend Handcrafted Whips, and we are over at our friend Blake Bruning's house. We've just been cracking whips today, making some whips today, just having a good old time. It's great to see you guys both again. And uh, a little bit about yourself, Steve. Where where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up uh, south of Indianapolis in a little town called Martinsville, and uh, (laughs) it's a small community. when I was growing up and younger, it was a very, uh, I don't know what the word is, you know, it, it was a very uh, quaint little town and people were nice and, you know, during the town parade when the flag, the American flag, you know, came by on one of the cars, everybody stood up. It was just that kind mm. of a place, you know what I mean? It was a, a good community, a nice little town. Now it's uh, not so nice, but... <laughs> At least it, yeah. it was at one point. <laughs> right. It wasn't too bad growing up there. It was a safe little place to live. But, yeah. Uh, what did you like to do around around town when you were when you were growing up? What, what, what were you into? Well, I just uh, just played the guitar mostly, uh, hung out doing that. Had some friends that I got together on occasion, played some music with, and uh, 
rode my bike wherever it would take me when I was young, and then when I got a license, it was uh, hell on wheels. <laughs> but uh, mostly just uh, playing music and uh, you know spending time with the girls. Good combination, right? right. <laughs> Not too bad. Yeah. Any any siblings? Yeah, two brothers, uh, David and Joe. I've got a half brother, Donnie, and uh, half a half sister. And uh, it's a big family. Hmm. Uh, five of us living together. I didn't live with my half brother and half sister. They lived with my grandparents. So fast forward, what made you get into whips? What what triggered it for you? Well, it would be a rewind more than anything. Um, it would go back to when I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark uh, as a kid. You know, at the drive-in with my parents, I knew that I was going to like that movie. Just seeing the previews and what I had heard about it, I was like, this movie's going to be great. I really wanted to see it. And then the the whip, you know, with some people, it's his hat, some it's the jacket. Uh, with me, the whip, for sure, was just this cool tool that he had with him that helped him to overcome his obstacles and, and get through this, that, or the other, you know. And uh, hmm. that's what really drew me in as a youth. I was always obsessed with whips ever since then I always wanted a whip but you know could never find one and there wasn't any internet back then so it was what you saw at flea markets which was garbage yeah you know and and import whips that were just sold for tours and stuff overseas or this or that or the other but <clears throat> you know the whip thing for me got really put on the back burner when I got into playing guitar mm-hmm. and so for years I, every time I was at a leather store I can always remember hoping to see a whip and not ever seeing a whip but uh, it was all on the back burner, just nothing but guitar. I ate it, breathed it, lived it, slept it. That, that's all I did was guitar. It's all I cared about. But hmm. there was always that that on the back burner, that, that interest in whips, but it just never really manifested itself until, you know, years later, I would say it was probably sometime around 2009, 2010, mm-hmm. uh, I was... Uh, surfing YouTube and bored and looking for something to watch and typed in bullwhip accident thinking I might see somebody just just you know get really hurt uh, just out of boredom and uh, all I found were these whips of this guy named Adam Winrich showing all the different ways that there were to crack a whip yeah. and up to that point you know all I thought was when you see Harrison Ford in the movies, you know, and he wraps the whip around something to swing from it, and it cracks as this happens, I'm like, okay, that's that's sound effects. You don't you don't wrap the whip around something and get it to crack. Yeah, that yeah. doesn't happen. You know, you you got to bring it up and and slam it down on the ground real hard. That's how you crack a whip. You know. Yeah. And so here's all these videos of Adam going, no, you know, you can crack that whip while you wrap. You can do it this way, that way, and all these. Instantly, I was you know nine years old again, just obsessed with the I gotta have a whip I gotta have a whip and, yeah. and so I would say what really brought it to me was uh, seeing the, the Adam Winrich videos and, and just how good he was at it and how, how easy he made it look and uh, yeah. you know, it, it just I wanted a whip bad oh yeah I, I think that's that's the same for, for most people most whip makers especially I mean myself that's one of the first videos I saw that classic scene where he's in the snowy field there's like nothing behind him it's like who is this guy you know what's going on here yeah, for yeah. me, I remember the, the the video where he just shows the basic overhead crack was uh, always of great interest. Yeah, and and the cattleman's crack, the the fact that you could crack the whip and it would actually crack way out in front of you. Yeah, 
you know, because as a kid, the only way I could get a, a cheap whip to crack was to just bring oh, it up yeah. into the air real slow and throw it down on the ground real yeah. hard. You that's know? what I thought he was doing with it. That, the, that's what I thought the cattleman's crack was when I had no experience. I didn't know what I was, what right. I was seeing. But, right. Yeah. yeah. And his videos are extremely educational. And uh, there are many great whip artists, you know, Anthony Delonges and uh, yeah. Robert Dante and uh, a lot of great whip crackers out there myself i think i just like adam's style i like his sense of humor his videos are are great and and that's what people are drawn to his personality and mm -hmm. and a lot of people will 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 prefer anthony delongis or somebody else and their style and it may just be solely on what how they perceive that person you know so mm -hmm. i've always liked adam's videos and 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 he's a great guy that now that i've met him and hung out with him a few times absolutely uh he's he's just real down to earth easy to hang out with and uh very he he's a good teacher he's a good instructor he can really uh explain things very well you know yeah talking about doing a sidearm crack and he might tell you it's like like skipping a rock across a pond or something like that to an to an extent you yeah know, it's just good with the that sort of thing absolutely so so nine years old you kind of you you get introduced to bull whips in general some years pass and now you're at the point where Steve Townsend says, I want to try to make one. Talk me through that. What's what's the first point where you said, I, I'm going to get the materials I need. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to sit down and make myself a whip. Well, it was uh, it was more of I want a whip so bad that I, I, I have to have one. And what I did was I actually messaged uh, Adam Winrich through YouTube at the time. Uh, I sent him a message asking who he would recommend as far as a good whip for a beginner, someone just looking to get into the sport, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, he gave a few recommendations, and I ended up buying a nylon whip off of a, a site that's uh, the, the Diamond Whip Company. A guy named Noah Allen made that the whips, but uh, yeah. I don't think he's up and running anymore. Hmm. But uh, so in the meantime, I'm waiting to get this whip, and I'm so obsessed with it that that I. I'm thinking, you know, a round braid in the and in my mind, I can see this round braid of, of four strands, and each strand just goes under and over like they're woven. Mm -hmm. And so, what I did was I took a, a belt, an old belt apart, and peeled the leather liner off of it and cut it into two big strips, which I cut into halves, so I had four strands. And I just figured out in. in the, the longest, slowest, drawn-out way you could imagine, I'm sure, uh, how to do this little four-strand round braid. Yeah. And and I didn't know anything about how hard to pull or what kind of tension there should be or anything like that. I just knew that, wow, I can do this. This is neat. And I was instantly also kind of enthralled with that, the fact that, that I could do that, and I couldn't do it the other day. Mm -hmm. And so I, I turned that into this little whip by braiding layers over it and watching what few videos at the time there were on YouTube of Bernie uh, which at the time weren't very many uh, compared to what he ended up uh, uploading but uh, that was also very eye-opening to see that a whip had so many layers like an onion and uh, so yeah just basically stemmed from me wanting a whip so bad and not being able to get a whip in time so just you know by the time it got there i wasn't only obsessed with having it and cracking it but also continuing to try to make yeah. one you know it was just a fun thing to do and i found it very therapeutic yeah i, I admire the uh the innovation there just you know i, I want i want to build something i'm going to use whatever it takes i i, I love that 
Um, the second question I have about that, do you still have that whip? <laughs> no, I don't. No. I honestly, what I started to do was, uh, I started to make them out of vinyl. I, my, I, my wife would go to Joanne Fabrics for me, and she would bring home these, you know, six foot long sheets of of mm. uh, marine vinyl that they used to wow. to cover couches and stuff with. Huh. And uh, how'd that work? Well, <laughs> for whip making, don't try it because it, <laughs> it it is not good. But uh, what I did was I took uh, the only thing I had long enough and straight enough to make straight perfect lines on this stuff was a. Uh, piece of vinyl siding that was hanging in the garage as a spare in case we needed it for the house yeah. where we lived at the time and I would lay that down on this uh, piece of vinyl and ch- and mark out lines for strands and then come back and cut them with scissors and try to work out what I thought was a decent taper and of course I knew absolutely nothing I knew mm. I knew that a whip had two layers of braiding and these bolsters and I other than that I didn't know how far each belly went I didn't I, I was just trying to divide things up evenly based on how long the whip was overall. And mm-hmm. instead of the way a whip actually works, where the first belly is real short and the second belly is real long, I was thinking the core goes the full length of the whip and the first belly goes three quarters of the length of the whip and the second belly, you know, yeah. and making things get shorter and shorter, which is just directly opposite of the way it really goes. So, yeah, you know, that's that's how desperate I was to, to get something cranked out that I could play with, but at the same time have made myself, you know? Sure. Sure. But, uh, yeah. So, so when you, when you started experimenting, just, just making whips, you know, from scratch, like, did you, did you at that point know of any, any of the, you know, David Morgan, you know, Joe Strain, were you aware of any of those, those iconic, you know, whip makers? Well, I, I became very aware of them very quickly yeah. uh, because I became so obsessed with it so suddenly. Um, but yeah, uh, the name David Morgan came up almost any time you search the word bullwhip. You yeah. know, the, it's so here. synonymous at this point yeah. in what he did for the industry. What, what the movies really did uh, is, is amazing. But yeah, David Morgan and Joe Strain, those names came up very often. But at the time, I didn't have the eye to see the real difference between an $80 eBay whip and a, a $600 yeah. kangaroo hide bull whip there, you know, I, I didn't know what I was looking at. So, yeah, it's you know, I'm like, why wouldn't I buy this whip over that? What, what, what is this? This guy says it's just as good, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, <clears throat> I remember, oh man, it was probably the, the first six months I got into whips and whip making and I saw a whip just a cheap, you know, who knows where it was made, probably just made in China or something. And it was like 20 bucks, but it was worth about a dollar. And right. I bought it thinking that I had gotten such a great deal. Came in the mail, I'm all excited. I had no idea what I was, you know, what I was looking at. And it's just, it's interesting how our, you know, our appreciation, our knowledge of what a good whip is, how it develops. The oh. more we, more we, you know, the better we get. Absolutely. I can remember uh, a f- maybe a year or two before this whole obsession of mine started. Yeah. My wife and I took the kids to Disney World, and you know, and we, of course, did the Indiana Jones Nut Spectacular several times. Yeah, yeah. Because I was always an indie fan. Um, but uh, again, at that point, this whole whip thing was still in the back of my mind somewhere, tucked away. But uh, I remember being in the gift shop on the way out of that. Every time we're in that gift shop and they had that whip over there, it was $60. And I knew that it wasn't a very good whip, but yeah. I, I didn't know. I didn't know why right. or or if it was something that you could even really get to crack or what but I just remember that I wanted it for that 60 bucks I mm. wanted I didn't get it but I really wanted it yeah just to have a whip right but uh, yeah never got it hmm. 
So, fast forward again. When did you run into Blake Blake Bruning? I had posted on a forum that because I wanted to make whips so bad that I uh, I posted on a forum that I would make kangaroo hide bull whips um, for the cost of materials only. Mm-hmm. Because I wanted to, I wanted to continue to make whips, but I I couldn't afford to just go buying all this kangaroo and and start slicing on it, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I was very apprehensive. Any chance I got to slice on kangaroo, it was it, I was always very nervous about it. But I knew yeah. I knew I would get over that with enough practice. So, long story short, I posted that I would start making whips for cost, and so I, I got uh, messages from Blake. Um, regarding that and him being very interested in getting some whips and so um he placed a few orders and i made a few whips and that's when he started to develop an interest in how they're made i think i think him knowing the whip maker and knowing that the whip maker was just a regular dude Mm -hmm. he's he's he somewhere in his mind probably thought you know i'm just a regular dude i can do that too and Mm -hmm. i think anybody could if they were passionate enough about it Yeah, yeah um and so he wanted to he wanted to get into whip making, and so uh, I will say, all I showed Blake was how to cut out a core and how to cut out a first belly, how to attach the core, and I we started to braid the first belly, uh-huh. and then he had the whip finished on his own from that point. The next day, uh, he left my house with the first belly started, and called me the next day and sh- and was sending me pictures of the whip, and you know. <laughs> It was. It's unbelievable what he what he what he did from there was just mind-boggling. As far as in a very short time doubling the amount of whips I've made, and now there's no way I'll ever, in the foreseeable future, make half the whips he's made. And he's imparted more knowledge to me than than I ever imparted to him for sure. But it's just interesting how that whole thing worked out. You know, I got him started, and now he he's you know helping me along. Yeah. You know, and yeah. it, it, it's uh, I don't know. It's an interesting thing. I think it's so great that, you know, the three of us, at one point, kind of when we were all getting into whips, it's almost like it just worked out that we're all within three hours of each other in this state of Indiana. I I know. I found it mind-boggling when I had first posted in that forum uh, about making whips that, you know, he started to message me about these whips and gave me his phone number and it had a 316, you know, our area code. I'm just like, I can't believe it. Yeah. You know, and so now here's... Nick Schrader and you're all over the scene with the with the nylon uh, tutorials that are so successful you know and it's, it is it is it's unbelievably amazing that you've got three you know especially you and Blake more popular uh, than I but it, you know three fairly popular whip makers and just you know within a drive you know it's uh, I love it it's a cool thing and it's it great is. we could get together and hang out you know and uh, yeah every once in a while Blake works it out to where we can uh, hang out with Adam and uh see some uh, live uh, professional whip action you know absolutely it's always and a good time Blake's a hell of a whip cracker himself you know I yeah. mean yeah, more so than me I don't get as much uh, time as I would like to practice whip cracking so I'm not very far along in that respect I feel like I know what what a good whip feels like when it rolls out you know mm-hmm. we were playing with some of those Joe Strains earlier man oh yeah uh, you know a good whip you know it, it, they say it doesn't take a great singer to spot a bad one, but I will say it doesn't take a fantastic whip maker to spot a fantastic whip maker. Yeah. You know, oh, I, yeah. I can tell that uh, I've got a long way to go to get to where I want to be. Me um, too. And I've got a lot to learn, but, you know, I'm eager to learn, and I just I, th- I feel like I get better with every whip. That's, yeah. That's my goal. 
Excellent. Yeah, these guys have been helping me out so much, Blake and, and Steve. I I am not by any means uh, a kangaroo hide whip maker, so this is something that's still so new to me, and these guys have just been so generous in, in helping me along the way for sure. What would you say was the most challenging part of, of the learning process? Where Because where, I know when I started you know, tapering the strands, that's something that I'm still working with, like freehand cutting strands. You know, there's different methods for doing that. But what was, if there was a certain building point that, that just made you go, man, this, this, this part is tough to get over. This is a tough, uh, a tough spot to, to master, I guess, or not master, but to get through, you know, what was something that kind of got in your way and was hard to tackle uh, along your, uh, you know, the, the cycle of, of learning how to, how to make one of these, these kangaroo hide whips? Well, I, that's that's tough to answer because there were so many challenges and, and so many things in particular that gave me trouble. Um, and when I first learned, I learned, you know, as a lot of whip makers do, I learned from um, obviously making a lot of mistakes with the vinyl. And then when I started with Kangaroo, what really got me convinced that I might even be able to do it was watching Bernie's videos and how easy he made it seem to do it. And that's really what I think his method is about is... It's it's about how um, a very I don't want to say simple I, you know he made some unbelievably complicated whips you know we're talking about seventy two plat whips the guy made that were just absolutely gorgeous so I, I don't mean to uh, come off as if I don't have any uh, regard for Bernie because I most certainly do but mm-hmm. um, his, his methods in my mind are quite wasteful um, but very simple very easy you cut the hide into this one big strand and then you stretch that strand and then you cut that strand into these strands and turn each of those strands into what you want mm-hmm. um, so you know that's where I got started and got into that but I would always have a problem once those strands were cut into into tapering those strands mm-hmm. how to properly taper those strands and then dropping strands was always a big thorn in the side mm-hmm. um, and not something that's easily gotten over. This one of those things where you, you know, relative to playing guitar, when you're playing guitar and you have a rough spot in a song, you can sit and practice that one little spot over and over and over and over until it's yeah. smooth and cake, and you'll never have that problem again. With a whip, you can't address that problem again until you start another whip. Mm-hmm. You know, you drop that strand from eight to six, uh, and hopefully it turns out good after you roll it you know right uh and then you won't really know until it's all rolled and said and done with and then you you get into the next whip and that's when you get the chance to try it again yeah Uh, unless you've got a system set up where you've got strands ready to braid and ready to drop and ready to practice which is unlikely you know yeah you know you're you're trying to crank out a product as efficiently as possible hopefully uh without making any cuts in uh, quality my goal as a whip maker is to just keep getting better I guess I would like to make a more diverse uh, styles of whips th- than I have made but uh, I just want to keep getting better at uh, cutting and plaiting and the whole process I, I you know I know I've got a lot of room for improvement and I want to see that you know I want to see the potential uh, realized Blake Bruning joins us at the podcast table, and we continue with a few questions that he has for Steve. Here, we'll discuss how more and more people are becoming introduced to whips and whip making in general. We also dive into some ideas on build methods and the logical reasons for doing them.
So you started off like most people in YouTube world. You, you start off with the burning method, correct? Oh yeah. All right, and then you t you told me that uh, Bernardo Del Carpio was a huge help for you, uh, you know, as well as Paul Nolan and some other people that you know you originally messed about it. But why don't you talk a little bit about what how that influence did you? And this is before I got to stop by and become your faithful apprentice. Okay. Yeah, this this was. Uh, I remember actually at one point I was talking, I was emailing, uh, you know, back and forth with Bernardo, and trying to. Uh, apply what he was telling me to the vinyl that I was still working with and I knew that I wanted to get into leather and I wanted to get into kangaroo and I had actually bought some scrap pieces of leather that I was uh, messing around with braiding and rolling and I was fascinated with how much better it looked after it was rolled than it did when it was braided but uh, but uh, yeah Bernardo uh, really absolutely blew my mind with information and um, that's when I learned that you know you don't braid typically to save time and, and material or you know money if you want to look at it that way. Um, you know that the the first and second bellies uh, don't encompass the whole handle as far as braiding, and that me that to me was you know revelatory. I, and I remember seeing some pictures on uh, Midwest Whips website uh, in progress photos of his whips where you could see that there was this braiding and then there was all this stuff tied onto the handle and I, I kept trying to figure out in my mind I remember I was trying to figure out why he was binding uh, on the handle like like he thought it was going to be weak or like he was trying to bind the transition area but it's on the handle what do you think and and then I realized after you know getting a good look at these photos that that, that there was no braiding on the handle it was just this all the strands were cut to this one solid piece of leather and it was mind-blowing and Bernardo really helped me to understand the concept of how a core is cut out how the the first belly yoke sits on the handle and where the braiding starts over the spike and how you use the first bolster to compensate the, the first bolster you know the way Morgan and uh, you know guys like Bernardo and Strain and everybody does it is nothing like the way Bernie did a first bolster where it covers the whole handle you know yeah, it's yeah. you know he ends up with this one solid diameter all the way until the whip starts to taper beyond the handle and with the Morgan whips you get this uh, you get this really refined really small handle size and then a sudden swell just before the transition knot that that I find very attractive in the whip. It's very appealing. You know, it's almost yeah, like this. It gives mm -hmm. the handle some, uh, what I think people call Femin sex appeal. Some feminine yeah, curves. Yeah, it's like yeah. The, the curves on a Fender Stratocaster. Yeah. You know? It's 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 just uh, yeah. a really nice look to the whip. Streamlines and, it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It looks cool as hell. So you looking know? just like, you know, nothing wrong with a Target whip where it's a nice slick handle that's straight across. But, you know, it, and not that it's anything wrong with it, like it's a plain Jane, but it, 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 the flare and the, you know, that opens up just it, yeah it just gives it a sleek look like a streamlined and 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 it, it is a byproduct of the, of the fact that that doesn't cover the whole handle i think it only really works more on the nail spike than it does on a spring steel though like on a nail spike it's sweet but on a, a spring steel the flare isn't as dramatic when you're doing it like you know the the morgan method on a you would on a nail spike so i think it really looks a lot like on a spring steel i almost do prefer the target whip it's already so much thinner because the spring steel right. overall diameter of the handle is about what it would be on the indie style without the flare at the transition well yeah. and, and at the same time though when you see a target whip you typically see this longer handle and 
you re- you instantly recognize that that's not an indie whip. So yeah. it, that swell, I don't necessarily need to see it. But when I see a whip that's got about seven and a half to eight inches, you know, roughly from end to transition knot and a six flat wrist loop, and it's you know obviously an indie looking whip i'm going to want to see that little bit of swell to me that's really what's going to make it look a lot like a morgan yeah, whip, you know? yeah. and uh I, that's one of the things that i just think you know bernardo really helped me out with as far as that and i mean you're looking for that look that's that's like a game changer yeah mm-hmm. and it's something i still work on you know it's always there but i wanted to be able to i want to be able to control that swell. Yeah. i want to put mm-hmm. that swell in a certain spot you know, and I'm still messing around with how to do that to my eye where I want it. What you know? Yeah, it's yeah. like uh, when you when uh, people make indie whips. There's so many things that when you see a lot of these people that are doing obviously Bernie's method. The whip has been for hundreds of years such an iconic tool. So many stories: Indiana Jones, Zorro, etc. What story do you think of when you see a whip? That's the one thing that set Indy apart, in my opinion, from every other movie iconic hero, because everybody has a gun or they have some sort of rope. But the whip is what really changed the character from everything Lucas ripped off from all the other movies he stole from, like uh, Secret of the Incas and right. all these other movies, you know, Road to Hong Kong, you just name it. But it's like he just said, we're going to do it, we're going to do it better. But the whip changed the character dramatically, because as much as he was, he looked like uh, Heston and, and Attitude or in Look, and then also Tokyo Joe, man, he looked like Bogart a lot of Tokyo Joe. They borrowed scenes from that, you know, in a sense, at least that feel. But it's like the whip is what really iconically, I think, made Harrison stand out. But the problem is... You know, unless you're a cattle rancher, and even cattle ranchers aren't going to care about Indiana Jones. <laughs> you know, but the cattle ranchers, they're like, oh, yeah, whip. There's always one guy out of 40 that has a whip around here. So, like, we never even know how to get a whip, or you could have a whip until YouTube came out and changed the world and showed that the world can find out anything at their fingertips and learn how to do anything. Right. And it's just right there at all times. And, and so now you got people more willing. I would dare say most people in the world right now make worth nylon are making them more than they're purchasing. You got definitely people getting into it. People making them, their friends are getting into it because they made it, they show it off, they make them for their friends. It's growing crazy. But, you know, it's, 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 that's probably where people are finding out more about whips now in this past 10 years. More people have probably grown to understanding the, uh, in America, the whole, in America anyways, the whole, maybe the whole world globally. Cause Australia, yeah, they're all about whips. You know? I mean, there's a huge part of their stuff, but yeah. every other country, I don't think it's as much, you know? So, I think YouTube alone made the whip community double, if not triple. I don't even know if you can find stats, but I'm sure it might even <laughs> times 10 once YouTube came out because there's so many different people making and every person that made a whip now has at least four friends that saw it, whether they bought one or not, or they sold it to someone else. Either way, it's like the makers are probably what's growing this better than any whip meets we get, we're putting out, at least that I'm seeing. And mm-hmm. I got to say right now, this is a revelation that came to me, people out. Now I'm just saying this. So I'm just, I've been thinking about this. Like I got YouTube's changed a, a lot of stuff. Like that's where you got leather people making Bernie and, and most people are making them all off of Nick's design. Cause when Nick made that first whip, he searched hard and tried a lot of stuff from reading from what he told me and researching. And then finally, after he figured out enough to make what he made, he just made a video because I went through a lot of stuff to figure that out. I don't want someone else to go through what I got. So I'm just making a video on this first whip or two I made or finally figured out from piecing all this read out and he did and searching. So it's just like someone else can at least start off from there and not have to do find all the things Nick had to find on the side. But now that that happened, that changed the world. I mean, you got 20,000 20, viewers more plus, right? 20K, you got that first video has over 2 million views. And I'm sure it's not just those 20 million people watching it 15 times, but there's a chunk of people watching a lot, some watching it once. You got also tons of other videos. So... 
I almost think the makers that have learned to, to model after your nylon, which is usually what most first <laughs> nylon makers tend to look like, because nylon is also a relatively new thing. Mm. You know, as they have all probably almost learned from you as a foundation, just because it was accessed and available, that's probably quantified the population of whipcrackers more than anything else in America, and I dare say most throughout the world, is, is because of you, because if you get someone making it, now all their friends know about it. And they're going to give it to a friend, and that friend gets it. And that's a lot more than it's sitting at a park and one nutball sees you cracking a whip, and then they're going to come up and think that it's okay for them to walk up with a bunch of strangers with whips. Like, that scares you enough. Like, the fact that you're cracking whips, the yeah. people that are curious enough, you might have that one guy come up. But most people won't because it's like, I don't know these people, and they have whips. Well, I want to do it. It's like there are a bunch of people cracking whips all around the place. I'm just going to walk up in there. You know, so it almost, you, you almost, I don't know how to grow the community, which is what I'm really dead set of trying to figure out. And, and, and I think you, because you've had so many people make whips, is probably grown the community more alone with you and Adam Winrich, You're, you two alone are probably single-handedly combined, have probably tripled, if not times 10, the community since YouTube's been out that past 10 years. Because if they see him how to crack it, they don't make it and afford it, but they want to find out how to make it. Sooner after I hit an Adam, they hit you and vice versa. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think you probably have done more for the whip world as far as growing it in the past 10 years and I'd almost say it's been going on since since Raiders first came out and that's the problem <laughs> too so. since Raiders came out we're all kids and so most people that love the Raiders were now these 40 year old adults that you know like the gear heads you know like from indie gear mm-hmm. you know all the people club Obi-Wan it's you know call them gear heads because they're all about the gear it's like we're, we're now at the age where we can finally be Harrison Ford our parents were going to buy us no hat no whip <laughs> no leather, leather coat so right. you know but our generation is going to pass and I personally think it's also a little prophetic that because um, there's going to be a new generation unless Indy 5 really just knocks it out and starts a new generation or more whip movies in there like Kingsman 2 starts taking on a twist like you know because that alone might start some spark that had some great rep you know Loop was phenomenal in that one you know and, and unless we get some more movies like Iron Man 2 would have been perfect for Joe's but what did they do made some great Joe Strain whips and then they just put CGI like little bits of metal on it mm. and then CGI'd it so people don't even know they're real whips but like that could have been one where they're like hey you can crack it but we need to figure out how to get a platform where people can see you crack it the hero crack it teach a kid how to crack it so everybody knows yeah. how to crack it and that's available but the reason we never could grab a whip is we didn't know it was even possible to buy a whip. <laughs> you know, it's just like, how do you... Right. It's just, it's it's like, it's right, you know, how do you know? You just don't know. No. Like, yeah. I grew up knowing people did karate, but I never realized I could just pay 100 bucks a month <laughs> and walk in and learn how to fight, you know? It's just, I had no idea until I was old enough, you know? It's yeah. like, you don't put two together and your parents aren't going to be like, yeah, it's only three, 80, you know, like 30 years ago, or it's only $300 for a Morgan whip. Yeah, we'll buy that for you, kid. You're eight, right? All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll spend $300 for a whip. <laughs> I'm sure you won't break it. Yeah, I'm sure you'll take great care of this wonderful quality product. Right, right. People don't realize that that whips are just something that they can, they can have. They, they. I, I've experienced a lot of people coming up like, "Where did you get that? What is yeah. that?" You know, they, a lot of people are are so unfamiliar with. It. I think that's like I said, that's that Harrison above everyone else, or at least the uh, you know the indie model is the one thing different, and also no one knows really how to get it really do too much with it. So I think that not only iconically set it apart, but also set it apart because whips aren't something in our normal life. Everybody has a gun, or your dad has a gun, or your uncle from Nam has a gun. I mean, someone always has, <laughs> you know, someone always has a gun, and you know you could have a gun and fire it, but you know, no one's just like, yeah, I'll just borrow a whip from Pappy. You know, I'll just take his whip off his mantle. <laughs> yeah, so the next Indiana Jones movie, is that like, I haven't been keeping up. I'd say it's all hearsay because I haven't listened. I've only heard people say it's affirmative, but I haven't yeah. checked anything. I thought somebody said it was affirmative a year ago, you know, so two years <laughs> ago even. Like, you know, they're talking about like crazy. Yeah, I have no idea. Unless they go to Casey, they go to Paul, they go to 
uh, you know, Steve, me, you know, they go to Joe, Joe, they go to, uh, you know, the hand, uh, Morgan's, you know, Will and uh, Meg, Meg, Megan over there. It's like, unless they're doing it to them, no one else does it our way. Everyone else does it Bernardo's or Bernie's way. That's it. You know, Bernardo, I count him as an American whip maker. I know I say this, but he, to me, he's a South American whip maker. But Bernardo and Paul are thick, we know they're thick as these friends, man. You know, like they'd play back and forth. I think Louis the Fox, well, Louis the Fox, he's one of them too. I mean, there are some <laughs> others. Oh, yeah, Louis the Fox. Sorry, Louis the Fox. You should always have the thought. That should be <laughs> a stage name, Fox. Fox, like the Zorro. No, but Louis, Louis Fox, like the, him, Paul, unless I'm wrong, him, Paul, and uh, Bernardo were all like really good friends. Like they were, you know, it's kind of like how we're kind of on a similar age in our process in life when we hang out. They, they kind of had their click and shared a lot back and forth. And, you know, they're all, they were all sought after the Morgan method well. I mean, Louis's renowned for what he did with that. You know, he, he did a lot of stuff trying to pinpoint how to make a Morgan. Yeah, but but I consider them American whipmakers. But unless you're studying their materials, or which they're not videos on how to do this, really, you know, unless you're you're doing that, everybody else only really gets from what they get from YouTube, and it's either Bernardo, or I'm sorry, Bernie, Bernie from Ian Brand's videos, YouTube, or it's uh, when it comes to leather, you know, it's either that or it's uh, people that have copied his method and wrote it up like their own. Because <laughs> there's nothing else out there. They don't have the stuff that I talk about in like my YouTube, where I talk about here's a four plot belly, here's where the swell is, or here's how you make an indie. So all these other people making an indie whip, they're making a whip like Bernard, or like Bernie would, where it's a target whip or an Australian bull whip, and then they just put five four knots on it, and they say they got an indie whip, and they put a wrist loop, and like we're done. But the wrist loop, the wrist loop on almost all these whips, isn't even on correct, and I think it's an Australian thing because the jacket does the same thing. Like on an indie whip, the loop, and this will be a tip for you guys. When you ever make a wrist loop, it's supposed to go north and south, not east and west. Let's say this. So the loop would be on the spine in the natural curve of the whip seam. It would not be on the side of it. So if you laid it flat on its side, you would actually see through the loop. You wouldn't just see the loop flap. You know. And so most everyone out there, I see it all the time. These people that will make it, and then they just say, here's an indie. But it doesn't have the handle flare. You know, It doesn't have that because of the method they use. But they'll use 5 4 nine, so they'll put the wrist loop, but the wrist loop's really long. And then because they don't have that flare out, I mean, really, it's it's not – you can't really call it any whip. If you don't do the David Morgan method, I can't really – you can call it it's an indie style. That's a loose term. But I wouldn't call – you can't really can classify it like – a Morgan indie because it doesn't have the flair. It doesn't have the characteristics like you know Steve was talking about flares. You know that that's what makes it. Yeah. Really does make that model right. And at the same time, we're nitpicky because we're whip makers <laughs> and we have we have for sure for sure nitpicky eyes. You know. Oh, and we're not slamming anyone's. Well, just disclaimer. I'm not. We're not slamming anyone's method or what they do. However, you make a whip, I'm happy for you. That's awesome. I mean, I couldn't make a whip any good as I could. I was happy to make whatever I could do. Even my biggest piece of junk I ever made, I was so happy to make it. I'm not calling you guys junk. I'm just saying, yes, you know, like we're we're not nitpicking any other person's ways. You know, when we talk about this versus that method or anything, we're not trying to come off condescending or ours. Is so much better. We're just talking about the way to make this whip. You have to have that method, or it doesn't create the flare. It doesn't create the same construction method. That's all. And again, not to slam the other whip's performance or anything or look. Just yeah. right. When I, when I speak negatively of Bernie's methods, it's it's I love got Bernie. nothing about. I love it's nothing. No disrespect towards Bernie at all. The man made, like I said, he's made not only a multitude of whips that I'll probably never even touch as far as quantity, but just you know some of the complicated stuff the guy did yeah, you know, he was, was just yeah, yeah. absolutely out of control it's man. thrilling to watch him yeah. it's and, thrilling to watch know, his videos but the <laughs> methods he used to prep those strands and and was just a nightmare you know yeah i i talked to bernie a lot and then um, when i talked like through emails and you know, he made all my original engravings which i kept under my hat for yeah. a while that he made all the original yeah, like the autobot one the optimus one the original dark knight things like that yeah. and uh 
I realized just because who I am through a martial arts training and how I would always have to seek instructors, I know that I need to know what they know, you know, or what I want them to know. You know, like I learned how to ask them probing questions. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't know how to ask the right questions for the right people. That's the big mm-hmm. thing. Like you have time with them, but you ask the right questions to get what you really should get the most out of that visit because they're a mentor or they're a teacher. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go up there and talk to the best, let's just say it's the best kickboxing in the world, be like, how do you handle grappling? Because I know you're a striker. How do you handle grappling? It's like, mm-hmm. no, you. You learn how to handle how to strike because he's a striker. <laughs> right. You know, like you want to waste that time with how he handles a weird odd thing unless really, you know, you're trying to emulate him and you're getting tackled by his people. You know, so it's like yeah. they'll, they'll talk to people about stuff, but it's like, think about this too. If you finally got to talk to Bernie because you watch his videos, how intelligent would, you, would your first few emails really even be? You're like, what strand? Link cut? Right. How far? You know, it's not like, so we're talking about how do you control the tape or how do you control yeah. How this transitions from this with the drop so it's smooth. How do you, you know, they're not really, your first questions aren't really high level of, of perfection, like the small details that makes an overall superior product, not just a whip. So a lot of it's not very much you probably get out of them. But when these people talk to them, they want to ask them the simplest questions. And my favorite one I love to share with people is this. I, I asked them, Bernie, why did you make everything six millimeters? What was the magic on that? And, you know, I was expecting some detailed explanation. I was expecting them to go go with it like what you see you know because he's always like well when you want to find a diameter you take it 4.5 and then you you know you multiply that number and then you take the number of strands you want and then you divide and that's how you find it every step of the way and i'm like that sounds like one complicated matrix of mathematical (laughs) majesty that would just kick my butt and make me go crazy i'm more of an artist when i kick it but you know it's like i was expecting some huge thing and 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 you got to realize before you know uh, bernie did a, bernie did a lot of things he also told me a lot of other stuff like he's like you know i used to make you know he might have said this in his video so he's like i used to make fun of people that would would sit and braid a whip he says and then i got old you know so you got to realize a lot of his stuff changed through the years he didn't always do it the way you guys saw it in the videos he took him a long time to lead towards that he also didn't do it sitting down there's a lot he didn't stretch his strands the same way and you pull back on that strand sometimes and you start to pull till it's taut and then when, instead of doing the little hook spinny thing that people do, you know, where they rub it like a, you know, they're flossing with a towel. But when you pull back on it, you pull straight across. And the thing is, you'll lean your weight back now. So if you lean your weight back, you now have your 200 pounds laying back on that to really get the stretch out. Well, if it snaps and you guys are young enough to be agile, someone who's 60 could fall and break a hip or get hurt. So that's why I think you'd see him do weird things like he would hold the strand and then walk with it. Like he's walking forward because if he fell backward, it'd be different than if he fell forward. So Bernie, you got to understand, Bernie did a lot of things based on risk and the change of his body getting older. And people don't understand that. And so when you see, and it's because I asked him these things and I found out no most, when I talked to other people that, that said that, you know, they talked to him or learned from him, most people didn't ask me this. But I get to realize so there's so much stuff modified for what he does now. So this is why learning why someone does something is more important than what they're doing. Because if you know why they're doing what they're doing, then you can employ other methods. But if you don't understand why, yeah, that's why what they're trying to solve and why they're using the, you know, you can't you can't fix it. So when I asked him about his math, I was waiting for this huge detailed answer, and then he said, "Lake, it makes my math easy." <laughs> so this whole thing is based on. It's like, well, yeah, you know, it's like because I, I major everything by four point five, and then I. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, and I'm like, if it, it, you know, if you do that, it's like, you know, there's so much work to it. So it says, I just made everything six and everything in on three, and I just slow the taper and make it longer, add more strands. You know, it's just like, it just, 
If it doesn't work, add some stranders on it. He didn't quite say it like that, but you know, it's just kind of like that's like a major mass symbol because he's like, no matter what strand I got, I now just cut everything at nine or, or seven so that no matter what, it's always at six and three when I'm done. So it's just like I didn't have to worry about trying to contour to this part of the whip at this part of the whip and free. And it's just like it just, it, it just, hmm. but you see, what they don't, the people that are, you know, what I, you know, I call the, the people that are doing the YouTube copy and pasters, which is not an insult, but it's just, you know, they watch it, they copy it to the T, they have to, you know. The the, the 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 people that are doing it, you know, they don't have the experience and time that Bernie had to develop his method to where it finally became his method, and and you don't really understand why he did what he did on whatever he videoed that day, and there might be something he did that way because something else didn't work out right that he didn't need or point out, he just did it. So you're gonna take those exact measurements, copy and paste, and expect it to work out when it won't because you didn't split anything to the level he split it or the same level <laughs> your hide's different than his hide it won't always work out because the thicker the hide you have so you have like a strand that's 10 feet well if your hide's thicker it'll braid it won't braid as much but if i split my hide it would braid longer because it's got to braid over each strand which also shrinks up your length so it's like that's a factor so he might did a lot of things that you don't know that he did that he just did consciously or subconsciously didn't bother mentioning because it wouldn't even matter or he didn't even notice and yeah. so they don't really know why he did. So that's one thing you can't ask him about his videos, unless you did while he was you know, able to and he's alive. You'd be like, no one said, why did you do it like that this time? Is that, yeah. what, is that how you normally do that? Why did it turn out like that? And there's a, that's the one thing about reverse engineering. You know, the price of admission kids, if you want to make a better whip, is you can always spend you know, $800 on a Joe strain and take it apart. <laughs> But that's a, but that's you're you're paying right there for an education. But the problem with that education is even if you broke down his whip that way, the next whip's going to be a little different because whatever worked out in his pleasing shape that that wasn't right, he had to fix somehow. So he might have cut strands earlier, or ran them longer, or ran something thicker. I mean, you'll get a general idea of how his construction is, but you don't know why he cut it the way he cut it on that model that day. So it doesn't answer why. So yeah. it's what you call dissecting a corpse. And so a lot of these videos are dissecting a corpse, and it's kind of hard for them to really understand why he did it if they didn't ask him. Bernie was a hell of a guy. I, you know, I only uh, communicated with him a few times through email. But uh, I loved watching his videos, man. Yeah. Just enthralling, you know, watching, watching, just seeing, you know, from a, from a beginner's point of view especially, you know, me when I first got into it, being so obsessed with it, finally seeing somebody do this and then realizing that, you know, I can remember watching this video on just how to do start the diamond plat on a 16 plat overlay. And I was sitting there watching that thinking... The red and black, right? I, I, I will never do this yeah. in my life. Yeah. I, this is not <laughs> going to happen. There's no way. And then, and then you find out, wait, you didn't just go somewhere and buy those strands you actually had to cut that crap yeah out, yeah you know right there's no way yeah, yeah. everyone that's probably been where we're at the first time they tried to make a whip said i'll never freaking do that again but see that's a testimony <laughs> that's to how, no, to no how powerful the obsession is because yeah. i've not i've never been an artsy craftsy kind of guy never i've been artistic with music and stuff but i've never picked up wood and carved and i've never picked up anything and made anything out of it i'm just not that kind of guy Paint, yeah, yeah painter or sculptor not at all yeah, yeah, no, like, yeah. no. <laughs> i can i can figure out musical instruments i'm good with play-doh you know that's about it but i've got i've got a lot of girls and kids I'm now now i was you know halfway decent i draw the meanest stick figure you've ever seen 
man. I used to have stick figure army wars, man. I had whole murals. <laughs> Buddy of mine, he, he'd be in school. I was old. He was my, uh, it's kind of like younger brother, eight years younger than me, but he, he was still a kid in school and Dragon Ball was out. So he'd make stick figure Dragon Ball characters and flip pages. So it'd be this dude just sitting here and all of a sudden a stick figure Kamehameha waving someone off the page. He'd spend his whole, whole, class, whole period in class just drawing that. I used to do that in my history book. <laughs> stick figure, like, you know. Flip it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Good times. Good times. So, guys, if you are interested in ordering a custom-made whip from Steve Townsend, uh, he makes some beautiful work. Um, where can we find you, Steve? Where where can they reach you? Uh, you can get a hold of me at TownsendHandcraftedWhips.com uh, and contact me through that, or you can reach me on my Facebook page, uh, or you could friend me on Facebook and send me messages, however you prefer. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Steve, thank you so much for being on the show, my friend. Enjoyed uh, the conversation. I appreciate you having me on, man. This has been a really good time hanging out with you fellers today. Anytime. <laughs> Guys, it's been a good day. It's been a good day. Yep. Okay, man. I appreciate uh, you opening up... Um, your your whip headquarters oh, to us, man. Blake. It's so great to have you guys. It's been a, it's always a blast. Yeah, always a blast. I'm a, like I said, we were talking about earlier. It's like usually when all three of us get together, we go for a trip up to Seattle and Bristol's. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, it feels like he's missing. <laughs> uh, we miss you, Adam. Uh, keep rather by out there. Keep it cracking. You know. Yeah. Uh, thanks. I didn't get to hear all of it. I can't wait to hear this. <laughs> yeah. Great from the beginning, but man, keep playing. <laughs>